Support for today's Heat Treat Radio episode is provided by Hydrogen Generation and its benefits for heat treaters. Go to www.heattreattoday.com slash ebook for your free copy. Welcome to Heat Treat Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Funk, editor of Heat Treat Radio. Today, Doug Glenn, publisher of Heat Treat Radio, sits down with CQI9 Rev4 committee members James Hawthorne and Justin Rizuski for the last time. I strongly recommend you listen to parts one through three if you've missed them. Go to www.heattreattoday.com radio to hear prior episodes. Now, let's hear what final practical tips these gentlemen have to offer. We're here today with Justin Rizuski, who is the Director of Sales and Marketing of Controls Service, Inc. in Livonia, Michigan, and also with James Hawthorne, Heat Treat Specialist at Acumen Global Technologies. Uh, both of these gentlemen have been with us for uh, two or three of the last three episodes that we've put together. And uh, uh, James, I believe, was the committee chair. I, uh, I believe that's the right um the right title for the revision four and uh justin of course was uh, right alongside it on the committee uh getting things done so gentlemen first off welcome back to heat treat radio glad to be here yeah thank you doug glad to be here all right so this last one uh, we've 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 covered a lot of the major changes a lot of the uh the, the main points that people ought to know on the first three episodes we want to wrap it up today by asking a couple of very practical questions, a couple of opinion questions, but I think also a couple of very practical questions on implementation, things of that sort of, of the new CQI 9 Rev 4. So Justin, if you don't mind, I'd like to start with you and, and address an issue that I think you and I touched on in the fir- very first episode, and that was the dif- difference between the CQI 9 standard and AMS 2750F, specifically, maybe you could address this, about the automotive industry. Why doesn't it just adopt AMS 2750F as opposed to having to have this separate CQI9 standard? What, do you, what If you wouldn't mind, just address that. Yeah, well, I think that the I think that both specifications are appropriate for their, their industries. Um, but there are some significant differences between the two. Uh, first and foremost, one is intended for aerospace and the other automotive. Um, AMS 2750, as we've uh, mentioned in a previous episode, is a, is a pyrometry standard, uh, whereas uh, CQI-9 is a, is a system assessment. It's a process-based uh, approach to things, whereas... AMS 2750 is more equipment based. You know, you classify things, uh, you know, by temperature tolerances, by the instrumentation type that you have, whereas requirements within CQI-9 are, are generally based on your type of process and specific to your process in particular. Um, but I would say that the, the most significant difference between the two documents is AMS 2750 is that's part of the NADCAP program and requires accreditation and an auditing body, PRI, to come out and say, yep, you're good to go. Here's your certificate. You're good. We'll see you in a year. CQI-9 is intended to be a self-assessment. It's intended for 
heat treaters to implement themselves to provide them with a, a system, uh, you know, a process of managing their heat treat. Um, and that doesn't require somebody to come in and accredit them and hand them a certificate. Right. So there's there's big differences between the two. They are, they are not equals. I mean, there's similarities, especially in the pyrometry section. At one point, AMS was heavily uh, cited inside of CQI9. So since its removal, however, we've we've had success, and that success has been measurable. It's been significant. Um, so I, I would imagine that the OEs have been rather happy with what it is that they have there um, in, in the document. Uh, especially in, in fourth edition. Um, and I, I think that there's just a, the thought of going to an AMS 2750 versus, you know, a, 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 or a going to AMS 2750 and, and abandoning CQI9, I would think is well outside the realm of uh, plausible, I guess. Right. Yeah. And, and one thing I would add here is, is you know, um, if, if you read the headers for each section of the HTSA, um, section one is management, responsibility, and quality planning. Section two is floor and material handling responsibilities. And three is the equipment. On the equipment side, you're going to get more into the pyrometry side of things, the metrology and, and, and the maintenance uh, specifics to that equipment as well. So, so the uh, all-encompassing uh, uh, HTSA is a, a system that is a management system or, or at least a system that you can develop a management system based behind and, and ensure compliance. Right. All right. And for those who are just joining on this episode, HTSA heat treat uh, system assessment, which is one of the, one of the main parts of, of the CQI standard. So, yeah. So Justin, I think your point's good, James, I think as well, the, the point is well taken. Listen, one is one CQI nine is meant to be an internal tool, a continuous improvement tool that helps a, helps a heat, a company who's involved with heat treating continually improve their process. AMS 2750F specifically at pretty much exclusively a pyrometry uh, certification program, where again, you've got to have somebody coming from the outside. I remember back in the day when they were first starting the QS, I forget what was the QS, one of the QS standards, they said, listen, no longer are you going to have to comply or get, or get qualified by this OE or this, this prime, this prime, this prime. Now you can have one standard. Has that been the case here? Has it been effective in the automotive industry, CQI9? Yeah, I think 100%, Doug. Um, you know, it, it's like uh, IETF, um, and, you know, all of the automotive industry has to be compliant to that. Same thing with CQI-9, and, and it provides that commonality uh, for all heat treaters and in all the different processes that are employed at their facilities or, or the multiple facilities that they may have. Um, you know, for, for a company like ours, we have uh, eight companies in North America uh, for the North American side of things that have heat treat furnaces in them. We have induction furnaces. We have uh, carbon nitrating furnaces. We have uh, stress relief furnaces. So, so that commonality even helps us internally with our management system and how we, how we uh, uh, take steps to provide that, that common approach and compliance to CQI9. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that also uh, bodes well for, you know, up the ladder as well for, for the OEs, the, the more commonality that exists, you know, in the industry, 
the the wider that I guess for lack of a better term, the wider that talent pool is, you know, the more people, the more sources that you can go to to have work done and have it be what it is that you expect it to be, you know, from a from a quality standpoint. Right. Um, I think one of the things that CQI nine has done really well is they've they've made a, a concerted effort to to make that document easier to understand and to to simplify things down to just its bare bone necessities. Whereas some of the other specifications that exist in industry, it can be lacking. I mean, there's there's a real good reason why a lot of the uh, work of of some of those other uh, pyrometry specifications out there are outsourced because the expertise to adhere to those things and be confident that you're adhering to those things isn't possessed by an in-house team. They have to go outside. You know, the mm-hmm. CQN largely was the intent was this is something that you can do yourself and implement yourself. We'll provide you with the guidance and, and put it in simple terms and give you all the resources you need to support this on your own. All right. All right. So I'm pretty sure, based on everything we've talked about, that you guys really like CQI9. I'm pretty sure. Uh, well, 100%, 100%, 100%. 100%. I mean, I embrace it. Our, our company embraces it. So, so, so well, let me ask my question, though. Okay, so I know you guys like it. You're the, you're the main cheerleaders. How, uh, what's your perception about companies outside of yourself? Has it, in fact, been embraced or has it kind of been – you know, Heisman Trophy, the, the stiff arm. Uh, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll embrace you with one extended arm. Yeah. So, so if I may, um, I I will say that it's been embraced um, across the industry through all all heat treaters. I think um, I think anywhere that anybody deemed it to be a burden, I think with the changes to the the added clarity the uh, improvements to the document, the knowledge base that's now been updated in the glossary is going to help those guys cross any bridge that they were struggling with and make it better for them. Um, and I, I believe we touched on it a little bit about uh, in one of the one of the past things or or maybe it was Justin and I were talking about this offline. Um, but uh, our one of our customers who's a non-automotive customer embraces CQI9 and our mm-hmm. systems and our approach to our heat treat. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's a huge step because that particular company has a lot of internal specification as it pertains to heat treat. But CQI9 either is equal to or exceeds what their expectation is. Mm-hmm. So it makes it easy for them to embrace it. I think that's one of the things that was brought up in the, uh, in the rollout presentation we did through AIAT, there was one of the one of the other industries had mentioned they were following it. So, so it sounds like it's been it sounds sounds like it's been uh, overall been fairly well embraced, and this this Rev Four is going to make it even easier to uh, to cuddle up with it, I guess, right, with a cup of hot cocoa and <laughs> and feel I, and feel comfortable with it. So, I, generally speaking, like in, in my travels, I have two categories of people that I, that I come across. You have the, the sort that, you know, is looking to embrace it. You know, they, they recognize that it's a, that it's a have to do and they're just, they just want to know what the rules are. They want to make sure that they understand what the rules are and that they make sense. And, and maybe there's a, a point or two that they, they take exception to about, you know, not fully understanding what the intent is of it, of it. but for the most part, by and large, they want to adhere to it, you know, the, the requirements, they, they recognize that they need to. And the other yeah. category is, 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 are those that, 
fight anything that they're asked to do, no matter what it is. <laughs> no, I don't want to do that. You know, we've been doing it this way forever. You know, like, you know, <laughs> convince me, you know, show me that that's, you know, that, uh, that I'm doing it wrong. You know, yeah, I, I, I do some sort of subsequent testing. It always comes out fine. I've never had any complaints. You know, why do I have to go do this? And while, while that group is, is definitely the, the minority, I, I can tell you that that group almost, uh, almost a hundred percent of those people are, are, are going to be those sites that you find more issues with than any other right, right. because they fight it and they try to find ways to, to, to circumvent things. And, and that's, it's a real, it's a real uh, slippery slope there. And, you know, I, I think that CQI nine does a, does a real good job of trying to keep things, um, keep things in, in, in its lane and, and, and recognize that if there's something that we're asking them to do that, you know, or asking you know, the, the heat treater to do that, that requirement needs to provide value on some level or needs yeah. to mitigate risk on some level and a meaningful one at that, you know, I, I, I say, we're talking to, do you I take it? You like CQI nine. I like AMS 2750 too. I mean, I, there's some things in 2750. I like better than what we did in CQI nine. I mean, if, talking from experience of having to, to write some of the requirements in the document and how difficult that can be to say what it is you want to say, but in a manner that makes sense outside of your own brain. Um, yeah. It's difficult. I think AMS states some things very, very well. I, I like their thermocouple calibration certificate requirements better than ours. I think they're more detailed, but yeah, I, yeah. I think that I think that both work really well, and that they, uh, you know, embracing it sometimes just requires a bit of a education, you know, or a you know just a understanding of the right. the intent side of things, the purpose side of things. Right, right. So, so CQI nine Rev four. When was it released? Just just months ago, last week of June. Okay, it? last week of June. So so it's been it's it's been it's going on four months, five months, whatnot. So how about timing? I know I, I would imagine a lot of the people that are listening to this probably know they need to comply with certain aspects of CQI nine. What's the timing for them? When by when do they need to have all their ducks in order? Um, well, I, th I think during uh, during the rollout presentation. Uh, the OEs made a uh, a joint statement of uh, we did that rollout presentation in September, and they they uh, they essentially said that the the time between June release and that presentation was the grace period. So all uh, third edition. Um, uh, when when it expired, you have to do fourth edition uh, assessments, and they will no longer accept third edition assessments at that point. Okay. So whenever your expiration is, you shall do it to the fourth edition. Gotcha. The third edition is is officially obsolete. Okay. Yes. So if you're doing another assessment, it's going to be a, a, a Rev 4 assessment. That's correct. All right. Any other any other timing issues that people need to be aware of? That should pretty much cover everything. I think okay. that if, uh, if if you're outsourcing an element of your you know the, the service or of a, of a material, um, you should be specifying uh, adherence or conformance to the fourth edition at this okay. point. Okay. When we return, Doug is going to ask James about how his plant personally handled the transition to Rev4. But first. Hydrogen. How is it a green source of energy? Is an on-site hydrogen generator right for you? How much can you save if you use it? 
Nell Hydrogen and Heat Treat today have teamed up to give you a free 18-page ebook on hydrogen generation and its benefits for heat treaters. If you are uncertain if you should adopt hydrogen generation at your facility, or if you are not entirely sure how this even works, you need to give this a read. You can download the ebook at www.heattreattoday.com ebook. Once you download the ebook, you'll always have access to it. Again, that's www.heattreattoday.com ebook. Now we'll finish the last few minutes of this series on CQI9 with James explaining how he and his team adjusted to the newest revision. So James, I want to address this next question to you if you don't mind. You're, I know your organization, you said you've got how many North American locations? Eight, eight plants in North America. Okay, eight plants. And you've obviously uh, rolled out Rev4. Uh, how, how did you handle the transition? How did it go? What was, what was complicated and difficult? And how, how did you address it? Well, I, I, think, for, I think for me, uh, you know, it, it's, it's a little easier for me. Um, because, you know, I was in the room while we were yeah. writing, uh, the fourth edition, right. the heat treat systems for all of our locations I wrote, right. You know, so, so I have a very, uh, um, <laughs> unfair uh, advantage <laughs> for sure, for sure. Um, but, but with that being said, even knowing and being as intimate as I am with our own system and the fourth edition of CQI nine. Um, you know, we, we have, uh, we have made a, a concerted effort to slow down the process of, of doing the heat treat system assessment and, and slow down the process of doing the job audit and, and doing the, uh, uh, the process tables to, to ensure that we are capturing everything. Um, because, you know, I, I think we've, I think it's uh, we've made this statement many times, whether it was through uh, here with you um, or if it was through our rollout presentation. I mean, it's essential to read this document. It's essential to understand what's happening in here. And, and if it takes, you know, a little bit extra time just to read a little bit further to, uh, you know, do the checks and balances, you know, pop into the uh, uh, the glossary just to make sure that that you are answering uh, the questions as 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 compliant as you possibly can is the most important thing you know and i use uh, i use an ex- uh, uh, you know a, a wise man told me once you know the compliance is a circle and if you're just out the, outside the circle all i want you to do is get you just inside the circle and next year i'm going to tighten the circle a little bit and if you're still <laughs> sitting outside we're going to move you inside yeah. You know, you don't have to hit a bullseye every time, but you have to be inside the compliance circle. Right. right. And if you understand that and, and if you manage it that way, it's going to make it easy. It's going to make it more effective. And then you can stick to the the intent of the document. And the intent of the document is in the acronym itself of CQI. It's right. con- qual- continuous quality improvement. Right. Right. Never right. take your foot off the pedal. Right, right. It never ends. Never ends. Justin, how about you? Same question. I, I know you're 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 going in through your company uh, into a variety of other companies who are trying to comply. What do you, what are you seeing uh, from their perspective as far as the you know the the difficulty? What are they? What how did they, how are they handling it? 
I think the most difficult aspect of, of, of things, I guess, is, is probably one of the most obvious. It's the, the implementation aspect of things. So you've been doing it one way for the last you know, eight, nine years. And now we're going to need to implement something new. And, and when do you want to implement something new? It's really nice when you have uh, when you work for an organization that has process specifications and, and, and certain test specifications very well defined. Because then you can you physically hold on to them and say, here are the things that we were doing, and you can go through them and, and see where things need to be differently, where they're less defined or they're defined in, in, in some manner that's not as uh, on the forefront of things, like they're not a tribal, you know, or, you know, like I, I define things in a, in a quote or in a purchase order. Those ones become difficult because there could be elements of implementing something too soon. And now all of a sudden, maybe I, I violate something that they've done internally or, you know, somebody that they had it stated internally for a requirement. So it's for us, the most difficult thing has been the implementation side of things and just a lot of conversations and, and trying to determine, you know, OK, so what's this going to look like? What things we're going to need to do differently? What things we want to check on, you know, and then, you know, trying to, I guess, for lack of a word, coach my customer along like you know here's things that you're things that you need to consider here are things you might need to do differently here's how i would state it you know for the for the new addition for making revisions um but to the to the horse that has been thoroughly well beaten it's you have to read the, <laughs> the document and right. cqr9 CQ9 audiobook coming soon we'll uh, we'll have that on tape for you <laughs> Good, so, good. So, so whether uh, you're driving to work or putting your kids to sleep, it'll work either way. Yeah, or yourself to sleep. Either way, it doesn't <laughs> matter. <laughs> All right. So last question for you guys. This is uh, there are some companies currently that probably are not CQI nine compliant or even trying, and maybe thinking, okay, need to be either because someone's requiring it of them, or they just you know have become a true believer and understand that it's the right thing to do. What would you say are some of the, you know, for a company who's wanting to become CQI compliant, some of those must-dos, and what are some of the practical advice you've got for them as they start down that down that path? Yeah, if I may, I mean, I think the the first and and most important thing there is is evaluate the talent that you have on site. Mm-hmm. Who is your in-house expert? Who is the guy that that most fits what you need to be the driver of of that those next steps, and 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 as long as you have that and and that guy understands your system, then then the journey can begin. And I think there becomes less. Uh, I think your your process is more linear with less you know, hills and valleys, right? I yep. mean, you just, you just start to win and you start to win and you start to win with the last drop off. Right. And that's what you want to do is make sure first and foremost, have the right guy in place. So it's a, in your estimation then James, you're saying it's a personnel thing. It's a personnel issue right away. Just make sure you do a good assessment, get the right guy in the spot to oversee the process. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to have a, you don't want to be a commercial heat treater and you just hired a uh, a quality a quality manager from a a widget factory yeah to come be the champion of your heat treat yeah you want him to be a heat treater you want to have a heat treater in place that knows his stuff right and who has an attention to detail i'm sure well i, I think it's important i mean you know to the to the extent of what uh, justin was just talking about is when that person talks to his suppliers his service providers you want to have somebody that has some uh, 
some wherewithal in that in that field and understanding. So when that communication does take place and you have folks like Justin and others in his field trying to help educate the uh, the heat treater on what it takes to be compliant with, whether it's reporting, whether it's through the process, whatever, having that understanding is going to make even the service provider's job easier. Yeah, right, right. Justin, how about you? What do you think? I, I think that if uh, organizations that struggle with the third edition are probably going to continue to struggle with the fourth edition. If, you, if you're comfortable with the third edition and you're doing well with the third edition, fourth edition is going to be relatively easy to, to adapt to and to, um, to implement. I, I think that it's, it's like with any, any math story problem, you got to uh, write down what it is you know. And so you, you go through the document, you start making notes on things, you, you start citing where things might need to be different, you start red flagging things, you review what you have, maybe do a, a control F for any mention of third edition and replace with fourth edition or something, like, you know, something simple like that. But it'll be uh, evaluating what it is you you have created and try to you know uh, continue on the successes you had for the third edition into that fourth one. If you've struggled with the third edition, the likelihood that you're going to struggle with the fourth is also pretty great because it's likely that the document isn't the the issue. The issue is is likely a uh, lack of awareness, um, and I, I think that there it cannot go understated how valuable it is to invest in training. Uh, especially if you're bringing some new guy on to, to champion, you know, the, the effort, or you've got a, a team that's, you know, eager, hungry, looking to, to, to prove their, their worth, get them training. It's a, it's readily available, you know, through, you know, I mean, our organizations offer it, you know, the AIG offers, you know, training on the HTSA side of things. There are plenty of organizations out there that will offer this training. The benefits to working with a, you know, a, a high-end service provider in, in, in many of these regards is that they'll they'll help you through the process, you know, as, right. as just part of their service offering. The, the value that's that's where the true value of a good service provider can be measured is in these sort of situations. Um, so I, I'd lean on lean on your experts, you know, invest in your your staff, get the training right. that you know to get everyone up to to speed. Because if you if you, if you fought it on the third and your plan is to fight it on the fourth, like it's <laughs> going to be an unenjoyable road, and you know you need to. Yeah figure out ways to, to embrace what it is, you know, and acknowledge what it is you don't, and then fill those gaps in so that you can get to where you need to go. Good, good, good. All right, gentlemen, thank you very much. I think that that covers it for us. Uh, we've, we've covered a lot of territory in these last four uh, episodes. So I would encourage anyone who has, uh, who's jumped in here just on the fourth one to go back and take a look at one through three. If you're, if you have any questions about implementation, these two gentlemen who we're talking to uh, are guys that would be very interested, will make sure, very capable, excuse me, of answering any of your questions. Guys, thanks very much. I appreciate it. Appreciate your service to the industry as well. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Thank, thank you, Doug. Appreciate the uh, opportunity. All right. Take care. We hope you enjoyed today's Heat Treat Radio episode. Thanks for joining us for the last installment of our conversation with Justin and James, CQI9 experts. Check out the previous three episodes on www.heattreattoday.com radio. As Doug just mentioned, James and Justin are glad to answer your CQI9 questions. 
reach out to James Hawthorne at www.acumen.com slash contact. That's A-C-U-M-E-N-T dot com slash contact. For Justin Drzewski, check out www.controlsservice.com. You can also send an email to me, and I'll put you in touch with either gentleman. My email is bethany at heattreattoday.com. We're always interested in new topics. Send me an email with what you find fascinating so that we can talk about it in a future Heat Treat Radio episode. Additionally, if you'd like to be a sponsor of a future episode, let me know and we'll be in touch. Again, my email is bethany at heattreattoday.com. We know it can get busy in this crazy world, so we like to make it easy for you to learn something new. Go to heattreattoday.com slash media to check this out, our radio feature, or Heatrick TV. In our growing library of videos from within the industry, kick back with a short tutorial, site walkthrough, or a heat treat process explanation from an industry expert. Again, that's heattreattoday.com slash media. Heat Treat Radio would like to thank Nell Hydrogen and Heat Treat Today for sponsoring this episode. Read the free ebook, Hydrogen Generation and its Benefits for Heat Treaters at www.heattreattoday.com slash ebook. This and every other episode of Heat Treat Radio is a sole property of Heat Treat Today and may not be reproduced in part or in whole without advanced written permission from Heat Treat Today. Jonathan Lloyd created and mixed most of the music that you heard today. Check out his professional work at www.jonathanlloydmusic.com. Thank you, Jonathan. And I'm your host, Bethany Funk. Thank you for listening.